just like however it turns out, you know. I don't really uh, have too much of a structure for it. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. You got like a cracker or something like that? Yeah. I got like, I have something that's just stuck right in my throat and it's like this water is not putting it down. Thanks. Just I need something to force you to down. business what's up George hey are we recording now oh yeah we are oh yeah oh okay recorded your cracker incident and all oh man <coughs> I'm better <laughs> it's okay let it start <coughs> what's up it's going down Oh, I don't know, just living life, you know, That's enjoying right. it. Yes, cool. Yep. George McMorrow enjoys life even with the scratched cornea. <laughs> yeah. I'll just move this over. Yep. It's like, I guess, like the warranty on <coughs> my uh, body is slowly but surely uh, expiring. The so, manufacturer um, doesn't want to keep repairing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I... It's funny, you know, you go for so long and have that indestructible vibe that you, you know, as you're growing up, you know, you test the limits of everything. And then um, as you get older, it's like, you know, you don't heal as fast and, mm -hmm. you know, and then suddenly then stuff starts just breaking down without uh, you even injuring it. So it's, it is what it is. I mean, there's a lot to be said for, you know, keeping in shape and, um, trying to keep busy so that, uh, you know, I think once you hit a point and you become a little bit tired, you start doing less stuff. And I think your body doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do well when you, um, your body hates it, being stagnant. Right? Yeah. I think that's the problem. Yeah. How old are you at this point? Not right now, uh, 69. Okay. George still runs around like a madman lifting cases. Doesn't even let me lift any fucking thing ever for him. Well, I can't lift anything now because I uh, detest my retina. So it's, uh, it's, uh, about three, two or three months of no lifting or playing golf or doing anything. How'd fun. you do that again? It just happened, I guess. That's I'm what the doctor said when he saw it. He said, you know, don't blame yourself. This couldn't just happen sometimes. You're watching too much porn. Ah, uh, maybe that was it. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. 
Well, he thought I had, well, once he did the surgery and um, I kept going back in there and then he kept saying, oh, you got a scratch on your cornea. And mm -hmm. I was like, and then he's like, oh, well, we're going to do this. And put, he kept putting eye patches back on me, eye patches, eye patches. And then go see him, take the eye patch off. Then I go see him two days later. Oh, and put the eye patch back on. Then he had me see a cornea specialist who said, who he, before I saw the cornea specialist, I saw this other eye doctor that's a friend of mine. He's an eye surgeon. Mm. And he thought I had like a herpes on my eye. Yeah. And I was like, like man, that's, that's nasty. <laughs> so it, this guy said, it's not a herpes, but it's like, it was like a piece of my corneas like was missing or oh, got, man. you know, maybe during a surgery. I don't know what happened, you know. So yeah. I'm on anti-herpes medication now, which makes me a little crazy, you know. Really? Uh, yeah. Hmm. So I've been on that for, yeah, went through one refill. Now I'm on another one. So it's uh, like a couple of weeks of that, you know. But What is it like? Make you like jittery or like what is it? Just different feelings? Yeah, it makes yeah. you feel a little, you know. Spacey. A little bit like, yeah, like you're getting like, not like an anxiety attack, but you know, like a little, little, yeah, a little dizzy, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, with the kind of work that I do. Like you're always forgetting something. Well, no, I always, <laughs> I overdo it, you know, because I always think I'm going to forget. I always think that every time I'm working, I always think it's, it's like one more thing. It's like, I got that from like the bridge of the, oh, on the River Kwai movie was so the guy goes, ah, there's one more thing. You got to remember one more thing. Don't forget it. Every time you do something, you got one more thing. And it's funny. Usually there is one more thing, you know, like, yeah. you know, when you jump in a car and you're going off, damn, I forgot this. Or yeah, I will be okay yeah, yeah. without it, you know, kind of a thing. That's funny. So, but, um, yeah, that, um. And it's been okay. So what, what that did was um, when I do like more higher-end shoots or celebrities or, you know, people in high-end government, you know, I used to get to that point where the younger me, I had a little bit of anxiety going towards these type of things. You know, you'd be driving up there and you're doing the CEO of the company and all that stuff too. And... You know, you, you'd, and of course you have to drive to Newark or to New York or mm -hmm. wherever you're going. And, um, you know, you'd be driving up there and like, oh, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. What's going to go wrong today? Because you're depending on everybody else on your shoot. Right. <laughs> so I got to that point, I think, where I just said, you know what? I don't care. I mean, if, and I don't be, be I don't belittle my work and anything like that. I, I just think I'm going to do my best that I can do yeah. on every single job I do. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out for some reason, yeah. okay. And you got pretty high standards. I do. Sure. I do. I, sure. I, but then I, it does come to a point where you just got to let you go. It's like, just not, some shit's not going to fucking happen the way you want. Well, <laughs> you always set for perfection. And if you don't hit perfection, then it's, it's still good. It's mm -hmm. still excellent. Mm -hmm. And he said for excellent, you know, mm -hmm. I said it chips it down a little bit every time. And the problem is you, you know, which I've learned over the years is you can't depend on everybody and you have to know your equipment. You have to know your situation. And if you could do that and get through, 
a job, you know, without, you know, depending that this guy's going to bring this, this guy's going to know that, this guy's going to cover it. So it does tend to make me micromanage a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but I pull back on that. And, and, and I do that with people that work for me, and I'm sure you know that, and my daughter, and if other people were, I would do it a little bit differently, but then I kind of like say, okay, maybe the way you're doing it is better. Who knows? I might learn from you. So I try to keep my eyes open and have, um, they call it like new vision or new eyes, you know, like when I look at something, like I'm looking at it for the first time, and I treat every shoot like that, that this is not something I'm going to phone in that I'm going to um, have a, uh, have, it's going to, it's going to get my best effort no matter what happens. And I'm going to do the stuff that, you know, and the thing is I try to over deliver and it helps because to me, I feel like talent wise, I'm kind of under talented compared to like a lot of other people. There's people that can come in, do stuff. I'm blown away. They're amazing, you know, but uh, I feel that in order for me to do that, I really have to work like three times as hard just to, mm. just to get the same quality that somebody else can get uh, just by showing up and winging it, you know, so that's my thing. So. Yeah, we do good work, so it's like... Well, great yeah, I, I do try. I try to make sure that it, um, everything I do is the best I can do, and, and you know what? The thing, the problem is too, which you know, doing video yourself is that there's no like BSing people once you do a video. You can't talk people into liking a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it either is good and they <laughs> it's like good it. It's good or it's not. Like it's, it's not good. Yeah. I know. And that's even if it's different, like even people have different expectations, like it's still, everybody wants to make their excuse, but if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, it's not. Yeah. And that's like kind of sometimes the fucking bottom line. But, like, I know, even just working, it's funny, because some people will try and, like, cut a little corner or something like that. And I just know from work with you, because even, I, like, even say the slightest thing about I might try to do something easier. George's like, no, you do the job. The best you freaking do it every single time you can. But it's true, because then, like, it goes back, and I've saved my own ass a couple of times when people are trying to fuck around. And it's like, no, we do the job the best we do it, because George told me to do that, and then it fucking works out. He's, but I've been lucky. Yeah, I've, I guess I get really lucky with working with good people too. And uh, you know, it's a lot of people have different ideas about different things too. And I'm always open to suggestions. And sometimes when you do it, it's maybe not as great as you would think. But you know what? Things don't get any better if you keep doing them the same way every yeah. single time. You know. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you, if this is your best shot, like I take my best shot at something, if, if, if that's my best shot and I do it the same way every time, it's only going to, that's, that's the, that's the top of the mountain for me. Mm-hmm. But if I let other people bring in what they, ha- they say, yeah. it can get better and better. You never know. I mean, yeah. you never know. Cause you look at, there's a lot of stuff, especially I would say in cinematography, the looks that people have, you can go through movies and old shows and you could tell almost when they were shot by the way they look, mm-hmm. by how, you know, the way their color is, the way the film looks, old movies and all that stuff too. Yeah. And you're, you're looking at it and because they did not 
you know, incorporate the same type of stuff that they have now. And also, um, they have different things that have come that, that are kind of in vogue that like, uh, like the shaky cam, you know, mm -hmm. that, that was, if you did that, you know, before it became in vogue, people were like, dude, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, 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 I see yeah. it. Like I see your cameras moving. The running gun, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it's what they call that point of view. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, where like the office yeah, it looks cool. Boys. You know, like when you, yeah. you know, it's somebody lurking in the, in the bushes when all of a sudden the camera's kind of moving around and it looks through the, through the pokes through the bushes. You're like, you yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah. a guy, you know, or yeah. a woman, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, or an animal, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. And, and, um, they've, you know, I had one friend of mine that worked on a video for Guns N' Roses and he, it was on film and he was supposed to tell them to, um, I think they shot it one way. And a lot of times, you know, they, they can, they, they call what they call pulling it, pulling the film out like one stop or two stops or pushing it one stop or mm. two stops. And when you're shooting film, you know, whatever was exposed, that's the way the film's going to come out. But if, if, you know, you shot it a little bit, uh, you know, too, too much exposure, you might pull it out a little bit quicker out of the uh, developer, you know, or if you didn't shoot, you know, you didn't have the light, you might push it by, by leaving it in a f an extra few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to tell him to, to, to push it and he told him to pull it one stop or two stops, right? And what they did was it made it look all washed out. Yeah, but, but of course, Guns N' Roses liked the guy using it anyway and everybody was oh, calling so him after that and yeah, saying, wow, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. dude, that looked... Oh, what there. a creative decision <laughs> you made to blow it out like that for you them. You never know. Yeah, right? how'd you know to do that for those guys? <laughs> yeah, it's cool, you know, and, and you see there's a lot of the different, like, look at some of these old music videos too where they just did whatever they wanted to do and it's different, you know. I know, even some of those, like, you go to like a barber shop or like something like that, and they have like the music videos playing. It's like those old popular songs. You're like, that's it. Just <laughs> just yell in the street. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And 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 you know it's cool. And I and I and I like it that you know people are saying now that oh my god you guys missed it because the only good music was you oh, know back. I think in we're in the golden age of music. There's just so much. There's a lot, and you know what? It always so gets much. that. But when, when I was, you know, in the '60s, and I was, you know, listening to rock and roll and all that stuff too, and it's just coming in. I mean, we were listening first just to AM radios, yeah, and then you know, then they then they came out with the FM radios in the late '60s and WNW New York and that, but you were exposed to what you were exposed to. You, yeah, you didn't know you weren't listening to albums. You were listening to whatever one song they picked out the hits or whatever you know and um and you know i rem still remember people like oh this music is like oh you know it sucks and the music that was really good was the music uh of the 40s or yeah. 50s and it was great music <laughs> yeah. too it was you know brilliant music back then you I'll know big say, band i stuff. think i'd say it's a golden age now because mm -hmm. we have all of those albums but they're remastered and then we have new music and some people don't <laughs> like the way they're remastered, too. But we too. still have yeah, the original yeah, albums. Yeah, so you have those, and they're still... It. Yeah, it's funny. Now people are buying um, 
you know, the, the vinyl and know, they're right? like, Oh my funny? God, you don't know what is the difference. And I have, <laughs> like, I have yeah. an old analog system, you know, an old crown amp and a preamp and, yeah, yeah. uh, and you know, uh, all the stuff and, and, you know, I turn it on sometime and I go, Oh my God, you forget how much better when you have like a high quality system. Back then we spent all our money on on these component systems, you know, to have my one friend had these electrostatic speakers mm -hmm. and they were like, you know, five foot tall and tilted back and you would, you would, you know, and they were, there was so much power that was coming through these speakers. And it wasn't that it was loud, but it, 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 it had that separation where if you were listening to like a band playing or an orchestra, you, you know, you'd be in the middle of the room and listen, like you could think that, wow, the guy's over here playing, this guy's over here playing, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the separation on him was crazy. And the, if you took a fluorescent light bulb mm -hmm. and you put it in front of the speaker, the light bulb would light up. Whoa. It was crazy. Yeah, they were called electric static panels. And uh, they were nuts. And then they had the uh, Bose speakers, the 501 Bose speakers that that were like octagon shaped. And they had their own little amplifier. Like it, when you bought the speakers, you got the little amplifier. And it was almost to that point of... Uh, if you didn't have that, if you just bought the speakers, like they weren't really that good, you know, but they had this and the speakers were octagon shaped and you didn't, they had the cloth on the front of the speakers, but you did not face the speakers towards the people listening. You face them towards the wall because they would bounce the music. Whoa. Yeah. It was like, it was that's crazy. wild. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. Because that's nuts. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But, you know, all these different people are coming up with so much stuff. You know why? Because they didn't know enough to, to color inside the lines because yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. lines. Yeah. You know, Dude, I mean, these guys. Yeah. That's so fucking cool because I'm learning all about that now working for K Sound. Yeah. And uh, so, like, working, like, how to shoot, like, rack or line array speakers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, like, uh, angling line arrays and then shooting that in the program. And all of it's so, like, math math you know programmed program now you know so with with the shit but it's crazy to think like so a guy was like oh we can get more separation by bouncing the sounds in different directions fuck it that's nuts it's crazy that's and, nuts. and the funny part is is that when you have these people that have these machines that can analyze you know the way the music's coming through and the separations, they could do the mathematics. Yeah. They can figure out all this stuff, the sine, cosine, what's it going to happen yeah. here, you know? And, uh, you know, but, you know, the human ear, I mean, you like what you like, you know, people can, you yeah. can figure it out, say, well, this is technically perfect. And you're listening, eh, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't really like it, you know? I was working with the Blues Brothers, I remember, and um, great band, you know, the Steve Cropper is the guitar player, probably has been, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know, I looked it up once, I think maybe 30 
3,500 or 3,200 or 3,800 different albums this guy has been on. Mm -hmm. You know, he's produced Jeff Beck, he's done, he's had guitar, you know, and, uh, you know, Soul Man, when they say play it, Steve, that's Steve, Steve Cropper. Anyway, this guy is, he's something and he's been around forever. They had turned out, Stax Records had turned out, they were sometimes turning out two, three hits a day, a day, right? So, uh, I was with them, I remember it was wherever it was, in Greece or Italy or something. And the um, musical director was this guy, Leon Pendarvis, mm -hmm. who's very well respected, was the head of the Saturday Night Live band forever, you know, musical director for them. Mm -hmm. He's been playing with a million different people, great person. And he was going to... He was talking about doing the, 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 the music was... Um, well, we can do this and cut this and bring this here and do that and and, and bring this, you know, he's t talking about the arranging on the songs. And Steve Cropper, who you think is more kind of, he's like from Tennessee or something, you know, and he's a little down home, really super nice guy, very warm person, great person, was named like the best rhythm guitar player ever, you know, kind of a person. And he's like, oh we can't do that. And he's like, and you know, Pendarvis looks down like, he goes, you can't take soul and slice it up and cut it up and make it something. He said, it's a feel thing. It's mm -hmm. all a feel thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say that. That's why I think that people, um, you know, that this golden age of music and this and that, and they're never going to have yeah. it like that. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's all because these people have this feeling and the vibe. They don't have people telling them, no, that's not good. You can't do that. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's like you're, you stick to when you felt it the hardest, probably. Yeah. yeah, they have a they have a documentary on this uh, Bill Withers, you know, and he did that song, you know, "Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone," and you know, and a few other stuff. And um, he was he was saying they have a great documentary on him, and he was saying, you know, he could never get his music out nowadays because music has to follow that certain, mm. you know, the bridge and the thing, the chorus of that. Mm. And he says his songs never did that and they were too long. And, you know, he's got this song, you know, you know, Sunshine, where he's like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he yeah, just yeah, keeps yeah, going yeah, on yeah. and on. He said they would never let anybody do that now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just funny. And he was a, uh, like a, worked in a, was in the navy and worked as a mechanic or something you know or worked for the you know doing something painting or something i don't know what it was but he was definitely a laboring type job yeah it was like 30 years old when he started uh, and it just got in and started doing it and it was brilliant because i think that was the thing the point i was making before is that you sometimes you just it's better when you don't know you're just doing it any way you want to do you're it just you doing know? it to do it and that's why, I, like now, I'm hit. I dude, I feel like I was running with my head down to through brick walls, like after brick wall since like 19 years old. <laughs> when I dropped out of school, I was getting door to door job, just wanted to make money, make money, make money, do shit, be successful, be successful. And then came to a point, one of my friends that hires me for video now in Brooklyn, a <clears throat> super cool dude. He's like, "What's the rush?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why don't you just fucking enjoy yourself? Like, we're all out here. Like, you're getting hired now. Like, you're, you know, you're doing your thing. Like, what's, what, what is, like, we're going to be successful. Like, we don't, we know that. We're going to work hard. We know that. Yeah. Like, what is the rush? Also, then when you look back at, like, Oprah, Harrison Ford, 
You know, who else? Harrison Ford was like a carpenter at like 35, something like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of those guys didn't, you Quentin Tarantino, like older people, they didn't do their first movie. Right, he, 30s, he was working know. in a video, I think a video store, mm -hmm. um, you know, and watched movies and got that, he learned School of Hard Knocks, you they know, learned did by what listening they wanted and doing. To do, and then they did more of what they wanted to and do. And liked what he liked and picked out what he wanted. And, and you know, he, the, the whole thing when you're directing a film to, anytime you're directing, you're not directing robots, you know, you're directing human beings yeah. and they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to do what they And want you to. can't whip them and make them, make them behave exactly the way they want. They want to bring their stuff, you know, they want to have their fingerprints all over their characters and yeah. that. And, you know, like this short film that we just shot together. Mm -hmm. I mean, were those guys, you know, I mean, they... You know, they were doing it the way they wanted to do it. Yeah. And would have been the way I would have wanted them to do it if I was a director. I might have been, at some time in my life, mm -hmm. You were pretty micromanaged the, the stuff. Of, yeah. yeah. And I tried to not be overbearing on that. Yeah, you were pretty them. in the back that, yeah. I did. And I, I purposely did that because, you know, my... My friends are, you know, I mean, I worked with Liz uh, years and years ago and on a sitcom and we did uh, two movies that we've worked on together. And um, I, um, and she calls me 15 years later, 10, mm. however long it was. Uh, and uh, can you, can you help me on this yeah, thing? Yeah. Can you, and I put the crew together and we try to do that. But I told her that, of which I do that anytime I'm on a shoot, I... Do not cross that line of telling people how to do their stuff unless I am the main boss that I have to tell people what to do. Yeah. I mean, so I try to keep it into that thing and I try to make everybody fair and, uh, you know, a lot, some of the people, the, the guy that was the executive producer was... Um, his first foray into doing films and, and he saw the people that I hire, I like people that are efficient in what they do and not coming in there and BSing and, you know, wasting time and all that. Let's get it together. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. uh, because anytime you do any job like that, and of which I told them, I mean, I'll tell them certain things. Like I told them, listen, however we're working now, I know it looks like we have a lot of time to do everything. Yeah. But at, by like the end of the day, of we're all going to be like racing through. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get this shot. Okay, that's good enough. Okay, let's move that and get the shot. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? Just move that light. We don't have to redo anything. And, you know, that's the annoying part to me is when it suffers because everybody kind of rushes through that end yeah, shot. Yeah, because you chilled in the beginning yeah. and you didn't want to fight. And you know what? When you're sitting in a nice, cool, comfortable editing suite for weeks working on the same stuff that took you hours to shoot, yeah. and you're going to look at that same thing again and again, and you're like, oh my God, why didn't, why didn't we do just, this? Yeah. Or, you know, so it's... It is that part, but but unless you go through it a few times, we, I remember one thing we were shooting in 
somewhere in the Bay Shore area, and it was so hot. And we were shooting this scene in the attic, and we had to turn off the exhaust fans to oh for the noise and it was so hot that i would remember like leaning over and there was just like a puddle of sweat just (laughs) just pouring down there and they screwed up the take and oh well we could just no dude no we're shooting this again Uh and they're like oh my god they wanted to kill me but you know what when it was all done they were happy that they had got what they needed to get and this is you can't make that up there's enough cgi out there that you can redo you know a person to say you know it's not like when it's funny i we we, i used to do the soundtrack stuff too and we were putting together soundtracks for this uh film and a buddy of mine that you know tommy labella Mm -hmm. a great saxophone player and he um the guy that was doing it was a great producer, great engineer. And he was saying like, well, you know, after he played it through a few times, this stuff, he was like, okay, that should be good. And he goes, I think I can get it better. He goes, ah, that's okay. We can. I said, no, no, let's, we can get it better. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's he, do it. But he didn't really have to because my friend can actually move those notes and make him so yeah. he's perfectly yeah, 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 yeah. in amazing. tune and he yeah. hits every note he wanted to. But, yeah. but there is that organic feeling that yeah, you need yeah, to do yeah. but that's my friend is actually can keep that organic feeling but i like that organic feeling you have in your mind when people's stuff that they did is their stuff you i know? think that like really does exist too like within the final product is the feeling that you get from recording the product you know what i mean and shit like that like when you're really listen to that song you know feeling it it's like if you half-ass that one take you could it might be a degree less of feeling when you're in your car you know during the sunset or some shit oh yeah but like i don't know i genuinely believe that like everything you put into it comes back out for the person that wants it you know i agree and, and you know it's it but once again we're dealing with human beings you know yeah i know and there's certain human beings you know professionals <laughs> Professional people, like professional actors, professional musicians, get it better and better. You know, they usually can do it better. But people that are not professionals, usually the earlier takes are the best takes because they get a little bit... Mm, They're out of their own own way. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'll say like this. How do you want, you know, and they're a little bit, you know, to that point. So I try to let people know that let's try to get the, let's make sure I don't want to do the rehearsals let's film the rehearsals on this let's do it the first time yeah sometimes the rehearsal is the best take out of all of it and um when you have certain people that are not um high-end um or they 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 could be great one day but these are their earlier kind of stabs at trying to direct or something like that too. And there's so much you have to think about and it's just, you know, positions, uh, you know, lighting, everything. Did everybody do a good job? Did the sound guy, could he, was everything perfect? Was the inflection right on the people that are talking? Did they look at each other? Did they hit their marks? Are they in focus? There's a million things, you know, and to me, making a movie, I equate it to like, making uh, a jigsaw puzzle 
like you're rather than you have a picture and you cut a jigsaw puzzle, you are making a jigsaw puzzle one piece at a time, and <laughs> you're 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 painting that picture on that jigsaw puzzle. Then you put that you put down. Then you gotta make that next make one. Next one yeah. Now you want it to fit together, but you also want this whole scene to be what you wanted. And it's so rare that it actually gets to that point where it happens like that. Yeah. That to to you know there there's you know there's you know, depending on what rate you're shooting your film at, you know, 24, 29, there's 29, pla that's 29 places in each second that you can cut a film yeah. to edit it. So you're never <laughs> going to get that exact same thing again and mm -hmm. again. It's very difficult. So, but, um, yeah. I, I mean, but it also, I think it brings up the, when, when it's things aren't, you know, until AI takes over for everybody. Yeah, I, I see that. <laughs> but I think it goes back to you, like, getting out of the way of shit. Like, when you have that many things, when it's like, holy shit, there's a million things to think about. Well, I'm just going to think about one, and then two, and then three. Not all million. You do. But and you like, get, it's like, you know, but it's like driving a car. You know, you have to worry about somebody crossing the street. You have mm -hmm. to worry about which side of the road you're on, how fast are you going, mm -hmm. you know, turning your lights on, doing all that stuff too. That and the more time. you do it, yeah. the more you get to that yeah. point of it's more of a vibe feeling yes. on this. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully you'll Not be, be that guy that, that it's the right vibe. But you know what? Sometimes maybe it's a different vibe. There's a lot of you know, directors and writers and painters and artistic people that are just wonderfully talented that they just put something out there and, and, and say, what do you think of it? Mm -hmm. Well, how do you perceive it? Yeah. You know, and you know, they're like, well, I guess I meant to do it like that because that's how everybody gets it. You know? And yeah. I'm like, you know, you're like weighing it out where you think, well, they're just BSing me or, or yeah. that's kind of the cool way to do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like you hear those musicians are like, oh, I have a million people come up to me and say like, uh, the song meant like this to me. And the guy's like, I never meant it that way. <laughs> you know? <I'm> like, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, oh, I know. And he's what... like, oh, that's a great, I never thought of it like that, you know? And that guy's fucking staked years of his life on that line or something. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny as people, um, you know, times go by and, and we have college courses that analyze paintings and pictures and songs and yeah. and everything you know and this is what this means and that's what that means and and it, it's kind of funny though that you know you have uh i forget what movie i was watching or show or something last week but they were but they were have something about yeah let's do a patriotic song like born in the usa and then the guy came back and he goes you know i was listening to that song and Really about a Vietnam vet that's totally <laughs> disenchanted with the USA. Well, you know? It. <laughs> you know? And and it's funny. There's a lot of songs like uh, Fleetwood Mac had that song "Don't Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow," mm -hmm. and that was Bill Clinton's like you know yeah don't stop thinking about tomorrow. And it's really a kind of a very depressing kind of song when you when you really hear why when they wrote it it was yeah, like yeah. you know it's like just give up like it's going to come anyway yeah, and yeah, it's gonna, yeah. you know but uh it's it is that you know they had a i 
can forget what movie it was in where Woody Allen had this movie and I always was a big fan of his movies and um, he's waiting in line and it's like he's behind a um, college professor from NYU and I guess he went to NYU and he was kind of had a little bit of a twig against it you know and uh, the college professor was uh, talking about Marshall uh, McClung you know that was the father of uh, television you know like the whole concepts and all this stuff and they teach him in film school and all that stuff you mm -hmm. know and communications and he, they, he said well Marshall says this and he's that and he's like you know making his point just being the guy that's like in standing in line going to this thing you know and mm -hmm. and and then Woody Allen's behind him like totally exasperated and says yeah I don't think he meant that and he goes well what would you know? I am a professor at uh, NYU and I teach communication. So I think I know he's the father of communications, like the yeah, yeah. media, right? And he goes, well, I have Marshall McClellan right here. And <laughs> here you go. And, he, and the guy's like, you are an idiot, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but say, it's that kind of concept is that we tend to, because we're so, like the people, I guess in the world, you know, I don't want to just say people in the U.S., but we're, 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 we're very, you know, I mean, if you read Facebook or you're on any of these other things that there's so, everybody's so opinionated yeah. on, on and anti this and that and tell you how to perceive stuff and do yeah. stuff. And I say, you know what, lay back and enjoy it. You know, yeah. you like it, you like it. It's good stuff. If you don't like it, maybe it's not for you, you yeah. know? So yeah. um, I try to, uh, that's, that's my kind of Yeah, thing that's there. been my thing this year is like trying to hold like the both sides. Like hold the paradox. Like you can hate, you can hate stuff, and just and, and it's okay that you don't like things. <laughs> you, well, there's also things you like. Yeah, you know, and that's good. But like, I don't know. It's it's, it's important. It's not being too like one sided. Even it's if you're very right, hard. You know. Even if you're right, you're still not entirely right. You know, all the time. It's 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 never entirely right. You know. I think, and I think a little bit of it's geographic too. You know, I mean, you can't. You know, you're influenced by, you know, your environment a lot too, you know, as to how you see something and how you feel something. Because I just can't believe that, you know, people in certain states in the South must, the water must be different because they all feel something totally different. And people in, uh, you know, New England feel something totally different and people in yeah. New Jersey and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, and you don't want to get, go political because everybody believes their own politics yeah. and you're not going to change them. So, uh, but, but I think that the, the slow influence that people have, I think if they get exposed to, you know, some of the stuff, which is, you know, some of these different, um, you know, different things that are coming out, you know, however you see it, movies, TV, radio, whatever it is, yeah. you know, first comes out and you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're kind of like, wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Or sometimes you think it's the most amazing thing ever. And, it's not quite as good as you thought it was back in the beginning. I mean, when you think about growing up, I mean, I've lived through a lot of different uh, 
ages of music, you know, and um, it's funny. It's like those silly, goofy songs that you know every single word to, you know, and you swear you never listen to that song, but somehow it's somehow in the air or the vibe where now you're, uh, you know, you know, all the goofy stuff and you're like i never was isn't listening to that stuff like how do i know all this isn't stuff? that weird that as much as like we don't want it to be like the culture is is like is you are the culture and the culture influences you like oh, yeah. it's just a you know it's just a relationship but like people always want to be like anti-culture i'm like that doesn't exist like you literally are just different like you just are choosing I don't know. I, I just yeah. think it's. I just think that's funny. It is fun, you know. And I, I get exactly where. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, well, my concept of your anti-culture is, is is your. Well, guess what? You're still a product of the culture. You just went like. <laughs> and, you just and didn't like it. There and there's both sides of that coin where you, you sometimes you walk around thinking, "Wow, like I'm really cool." Uh, <laughs> if you had really known me, like uh-huh. uh, you don't get me, but yeah, yeah. you know. Like you want to think that uh, when you go to some place and you know you, it, it's funny in editing when you're when you're editing uh, and totally immersed in editing and we call it caveman mode where you know it's just it's your days it's your twelve hour days every day you're you're just editing yeah. the same stuff I mean Walter Merch took like year and a half to two or two years to edit uh, Apocalypse Now you mm-hmm. know and uh, you know. When you get that, you know, like you see the people, it's like you almost, it's like you know them, like you know their souls. Like, yeah. you, like you're editing and you're seeing all the stuff on them, you're cutting them in, you're cutting them out. And I know I had worked on this thing called the Bluebells, where it was about maybe 10 women in their 70s or 80s that, that got together and exercised and did this and did that. And it was an interesting thing. And, um, you know, just editing it and just, you just immersed in every different personality of these different women. Mm. And when they had the premiere of the movie that it was just, you know, indie, little small indie thing. And it was in Red Bank where they were doing the thing. And like the women were coming there, the ones that were still alive, some of them actually passed away because they were, you know, in their eighties or whatever. And... You're like, oh, hey, how you doing? And they're like, yeah, who are you? Yeah. you know? I've been looking at you for like the last uh, two months, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't know like me, you know? You know? <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, that's the problem. It's like you're just looking at stuff and you're just thinking, wow. You... Make up all these stories. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, but that's the funny part is anytime you're editing and you're editing... You know, especially uh, celebrities and music videos and all that. You just really feel like this person knows me. Like, I know them so well. Like, oh, I could have a conversation and they know me, you know, because yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know them. Yeah, yeah. They don't know you. They don't know they're, you. They're, like, almost scared of you. Like, you're the stalker coming yeah, yeah, up yeah. on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's... Uh, it is funny, though. But, uh, but there's... And there's different things that... Um, you know, people get exposed to, which I love this field that I'm doing only because it's, it changes, you know, I mean, cinematography changes so often that they really, it's almost better to buy like a magazine, like American cinematographer than it is to buy a book on cinematography because the, the, like I say that we've stated before, they, um, 
you know, uh, just looks and concepts and everything change yeah. so By quickly and dramatically. By the time published, yeah. it's like there's another camera model up, you know? Yeah, right. And learning new cameras, and I just hit that point sometimes where I said, I can't learn anything else. I mean, I can't learn another program. Fucking that's menu. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, it's funny, too, that... Um, was working on something a few months ago and the um they were saying oh does your you know the one thing you know and i mean does your camera output this and the one guy was like no it doesn't no it doesn't output like 1080 like we can't bring it down well this thing only takes it in like that i know it's like oh 1080 60 but this only does 30 or right right and they were like oh man that's and and the other guy was like that's strange because i would have thought it did because it was pretty common you know kodak yeah yeah and then another person came up and they were like what are you guys doing he goes i was trying to get to he goes oh yeah that does that (laughs) and then one guy was an engineer and he's and you're like Okay, you know, I mean, you can't know everything. And the problem Mm -hmm. is, is that when you go into some of these things, and this is probably why when I go into a lot of stuff, if somebody tells me something, I'm like, okay, let's, let's check it out. Or let's see, you know, I will not fight them on something to say that, no, 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 that doesn't work like that. You can only do this like this, you know, I mean, it's, uh, so that guy, Mike, that K sound that I work for, he was a union electrician before he started. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like powering shows, he knows every way to do it. But in but guys that like run tours and stuff, and especially guys that run you know tours for like whoever bigger names and they they're younger guys, you know mm-hmm. they might not have much experience, but they're doing higher end stuff. It's like they'll come to like a college, but expect the like the standard right in like stadiums is going to be the top of the line and they'll be at a college and Mike like rigs it a different way and they start freaking out. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mike just says, come on, dude. It's like, I, it, it's gone. Come on, please. There's more than one way to, to roll a wheel here, but like it's, it's tough, you know, and, and some of the things when I first get involved in them seem like it's all in Chinese. I don't have a, you know, I can't, I don't know how stuff works and I'm just fumbling through that. But after I exposed myself to it a few times, um, I start to learn it. And then, and then all of a sudden it starts to make sense to me. And then, and then I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's, uh, it's no longer, you know, the differential equations. It's just basic math. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it just hits that point where you're, you, you look at stuff and then you get the basic concepts. And I used to get people that would say, well, you know, how do you learn that stuff so quick? Well, I know the basics mm-hmm. of how this, these programs work. So these other ones are just different flags and whistles on that. And so I just have to learn which one is that, you know, yeah. Is, you know, yeah. And even like Adobe, it's like for the similar concepts, they use the similar names and the similar logos. (laughs) So it's like, once you learn one Adobe program, you can kind of learn another one. It's tough, but they do change them too. I mean, and and it's, um, you know, you learn certain things from people where I remember the one person that would say, I never update before any big thing that i'm doing i never will update yeah because like it'll move a fucking menu and oh my god you. it just uh, <laughs> i had one where we're where we were we had a um the eight times a little the the um uh, they had the 
before they had the, the ones that everybody was doing, you know, over the, the pandemic, switches. they had the one that was like the box, the, the, the Emmy one or whatever. And, mm -hmm. uh, it, um, it was all, uh, driven by software and, um, it had a, um, you could record. I mean, it would record your program out. You didn't have to stick something else in there to record your program out. And okay, this is great. And so that's how we recorded the thing. So my cameras did not have enough media to be able to do a full show because yeah. those shows like the rocket shows go like more than two hours, sometimes three hours. Yeah. And uh, the problem was um, I updated and I go to hit record and it doesn't, it's ghosted. Uh, I'm like, what's going on here? And I can't, and I'm panicking and mm -hmm. it's going crazy. And, you know, then I look and I was like, all right, well, we have to, you know, as you get done with your cards, let me know and come out yeah. and dump the card and stick another one in there. <laughs> and, you know, it was that, oh my God, it was just, and it was these uh, P2 cards that are big cards. Yeah, 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 it yeah. wasn't like I could go out and buy more of those. No. And they were about $1,800 per card. No shit. Oh yeah. How long, what, how big a memory card? 64 gigs. Yo, that's one. fucking nuts. I know. What the fuck? I know. What kind of cameras? That's the Panasonic's. That's what the, the fuck? That's the still ones I use now. I still use them. The look on them is amazing. Yeah. The P2, actually, the P2 concept was better um, than these other cars because what it would do is you have um, a square you know, receptor that's, that the image goes on, right? And so for these other cameras, what they would do when it goes to HD, you know, which is like 16 by nine. So it's, 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 you know, wider than it is tall. Yeah. It would go from end to end and you would have these little areas yeah. on top and bottom that did not get anything recorded on it. Yeah. You know, so, what this stuff used to do with the P2 card was it would, what they call squeeze it. So it was squeezing oh. image. So it would squeeze it into a square. So you would have more pixels that you would get. So it yeah, actually, yeah, it's like, even though it was rated the same, it got a better picture. Yeah, yeah. And Panasonic actually knows their colors better too. So these cameras are actually good. And I, I still use them on the thing. Although, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have that. Because I, rather than having four cameras, I have two cameras and I have enough that it will 64 gigs, you know, or it's one gig per minute yeah, on yeah. Uh, the P2 card. So that gives you, well, it's a little bit more than that, but it gives you about an hour and maybe 10 minutes. So two cards are two hours and 20 minutes. So if you have another 32 gig card, that's another half. So it's like <laughs> almost three hours like for 3, your show. $3,000. Yeah. So you're just, but it makes you crazy. But now they have what you guys have too, which is you can um, have a uh, recording monitor that will record in ProRes yeah. uh, from your camera. And the funny cameras. part about it is it looks better than if you actually record it to the card. Because if you put it to that, it looks it's, so much fucking better. It does because it's not compressing it at all. Yeah. It's giving it a full ProRes mm -hmm. thing that's going on to this hard drive. And you look at it, you're like, oh my God, this is way, this is, you know, it's like you don't want to get rid of this camera now. I know. But it's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Out.
going out from raw with picture profile seven and then recording in ProRes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks but great. You yeah. got so much room. I couldn't believe the amount of room you have to fucking play with. Yeah, you got like just 12, right? 12 stops of. Uh, yeah, just compared. Yeah. Even just compared to. Um, like the standard, so I mean, obviously, just compared to, but like what comes out of the Sony looks really, really good if you nail the shot. Yeah. But then there's sometimes where I haven't done it, and it's like I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm still keeping the tack sharp, and I'm just like, well, it's tough, you know. We have this, uh, you know, we shoot in RAW in the um, in the Blackmagic cameras, and um, it gives you, you know, a lot more color because it looks almost like a negative when it when, if yeah. you before you put a LUT in there. And uh, which gives it the look, and um, it it's funny. It gives you a lot of different things, but then they also have these color programs like DaVinci that can really almost uh -huh. add the color unless you totally totally blow out something. Yeah, 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 you can really save it. And I have seen stuff that just looked like crap, and by the time they got done colorizing it, it looked amazing, you know. And you know when we were doing the show with John Stewart, um, he's running all over the stage. And so we had to kind of try to keep him in a pretty consistent light. And so we had a spotlight, but the spotlight, which should have been, you know, um, a better color temperature, mm -hmm. it was a little too blue. Mm -hmm. And so when he's lit up, it's just very blue, you know, guy, yeah. and the same thing with anybody's taking a solo, boo, the spotlight would be on them, you know, so yeah, yeah. it and, and it ups the exposure. So it's, it, there's a lot of things to do. And, you know, it's tough, you know, I mean, yeah. you're looking at this, I'm looking at that. Other people are just trying to direct for the first time and, and to, you know, there's a lot of things to think about and you're, you're looking at the camera you're looking at the shots but some of the shots are a little too hot but they still look okay yeah but you realize that if you just took care of it right now then in post you don't have to take care of it then yeah. and there's a you know there's a million things you have to think of but i call that job security yeah. you know because if you can master all these things at the same time, yeah. then they want you back. You know, if you can, you know, like with this show, we had, we had some of the artists got sick, you know, and they were the main people. And uh, the guy that was ahead of that, he's the head of the company and everything. Constantly, I, when I would see him and I'm trying to put a show on and he's like, I got to talk to you. Come here, can you, yeah. we got to go somewhere. Nobody can hear us. Okay. Our main guy is sick or our main guy is COVID or, you know, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, then we have to send somebody to do a remote shoot of the guy. Then we have to edit it. We have to put it in. We have to do, there was a lot of stuff to do, but you, they look at you and when all these bad things happen and you still have a great show, they're like, it's job security. You know yeah. I mean? I've seen that. I, I want you back. Yeah, Are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? There was nothing but curveballs today. I mean, we're, and here we are stopping them with our face, you know? I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, and you're sitting there <laughs> thinking, yeah, that's the, uh, that's kind of what happens in, in any live shoot. It, there's always that human element that's going to come in. It could be, you know, 
people are overdoing it. You, you blow the, the blow the fuse. I was shooting uh, a show. We were doing a um, this variety show in of this guy Big Joe Henry mm. and. Um, in McLoon's, and they were trying to make it. It was a pretty cool show. It was on MeTV for one season. Yeah. You know, we did like I think twenty three episodes or something, and um, I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, but it was tough because it was live, and we were yeah. inside there yeah. cutting the show. We got all the guys like you know people hanging up like above where people are eating dinner, and they got a camera yeah, set yeah, up yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and it was tough. And and they and that the is people, a lot. It's like, don't have anything in your pockets, please. Like, oh, <laughs> just, oh, my God. It was hard to, to figure that yeah, out. Little stuff. But we had one, and it was um, all of a sudden, they had a flipping blackout in Asbury, and it cut everything down, you know. <laughs> and not only when it's a, it's the summertime, and so you're assuming it's too many people using air conditioners, whatever, you know. Yeah. But when you're in a club, and suddenly there's no air conditioning that on a very hot summer day yeah, 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 it gets, yeah, it gets brutally hot in there and you know it's 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 is what it is and it's funny too because i always try to train people too that you just gotta always be careful what you say you know yeah, you know. gotta i mean it's you, you some people can complain but you just try don't not you try not to but you you know, the thing is, you always, I mean, I guess because I'm used to doing corporate work, I did probably corporate video for maybe 20 years. And yeah, always had to make sure that somebody didn't have a microphone that was left on them from that. So and it was scary. still hot. So and you could that. say something to somebody, so and, oh, oh my God, that guy was the biggest asshole I ever met. And they're like, dude, my mic's on, you know? It's like, you just told the whole control room that, <laughs> You know, and I've seen it happen where one person, um, they actually banned him there and it took him five years before he could get back in there because he said that the director was the stupidest. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and, then, and then the guy that was the whole head of the whole place, just, it was in the bathroom. He was just talking to the guy taking a pee next to him and, uh, and he didn't realize that the guy was in one of the stalls taking a poop you know and uh he comes out like who was that guy yeah yeah he's not coming back yeah but and i had it and that's what made me think of that was that during the big joe thing i was like well we it's going to be a little it's going to be like an hour before this comes back on let's get some shots of asbury park like Mm. just oh you come on guys just you know give some nice Nice, you know, good yeah. good shots of that. I want some beauty shots of Asbury Park. Wearing them. Okay. Well, while they were shooting, mm-hmm. the one guy that I was working with was just complaining. Oh, my God. I can't believe he made us go out there and do that. Yeah. Screw this. You know what? Take this, and then let's go get a beer and just tell them we were out there shooting the whole time. <laughs> and then you're like, you're, you're then when you're going through the shots and editing, and all of a sudden you hear the guy say that, you're like... Okay. Uh. Yeah. As he's saying, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did all I could. Man, I did my best. I was shooting all this stuff. Oh my God. It was, and this happened and that happened and everything. And then you're like, let me play something for you, man. Yeah. 
There's your, you admitting Yo, to me. Yo, these horror stories are what's going to, like, probably keep me a job at some point. Because fucking, I guess some, I've been just, sometimes I just say shit that it's like it's on my mind and some the other person just takes it the wrong fucking way. It's like, I didn't even mean it like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, like, no, I know. my One of my friends, Nick, Nick Perry. Shout out, Nick Perry. Start Monday Media. <laughs> um, he gave me one of the best pieces of advice. He's young, too. Um, he's, but he's got a kid, uh, a couple years old. He, he's a couple, he's only a few years older than I am. But, um, he was like, he was like, yeah, like, you know, hire these people and go out to these places and like, whatever. It's like, but he's been, you know, doing his business longer than me. And he's like, yeah, it's one fucking thing. One thing. Like, every single time, you know, it's the photographer's fucking up or someone gets lost going to Staten Island or this fucking thing didn't show up at the right time. It all seems to work out as long as I just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and it was like... Good advice. I, yeah. Seriously, seriously. Because it's like, there's been so many times where I look back and it's like, the guy who's like the guy that day, when shit's going down, he just shuts the fuck up. And it's like, you know, it'll, it's never the guy that's really the man who's talking when shit's hitting the fan, you know? It's always the fucking B or C or D guy, you know? It's oh, yeah. running his mouth. But, which is me. well it's hard to you know the thing is is when you're young you you know everything you know which i always did (laughs) i I had the biggest mouth growing up oh my god i would comment on everybody and just tell everybody how to do their work and job and if something happened uh if if somebody somebody made a mistake or something i'd be the first one to be laughing away at them and stuff like that and then you just hit that point where as you're getting older, you, you just realize when you're that guy that something happens to and you're red-faced and yeah. you've got one guy laughing at you and you're like, I'm going to kill that guy. You, you know, or you're something the, funny. Yeah. So I was like one time where it's like, you know, shit just doesn't matter. And it's not like I did really anything wrong or whatever, but I just didn't need to say shit because it was already fine, right? Like, and it, well, it was not ideal, but it, it's going to be fine anyway. So I'm like, when we did that little short thing, Rich put one of the Hollylands on my camera while it was on the gimbal while it was on. And the Hollylands are heavy. And it like yeah. I came back to my camera and the motors are all sideways. Oh, boy. He fucking just weighted the camera down and it was like <laughs> fucking twitching. But I didn't know that Rich did it. And if I knew that it was Rich, I wouldn't have given a shit. You know what I mean? But I thought it was someone random who didn't know my cameras or didn't know cameras or something. And like I was over there with Henny. And I was like, all fucking fired up. I was like, why would someone fucking do that? So stupid, man. Like, what an idiot. What an idiot would do that. Like, because that's retarded. Like, (laughs) and I was just so pissed and like going off on like, who would do such a thing? And I found out and Rich came up to me. He's like, hey, did you see the Hollyland on your camera? I was like, yep, thank you. (laughs) I saw it. Well, I, I love Rich, and, and he's it was, definitely, it's like, yeah, it he's a guy, like, yeah, he, uh, he is definitely, he's very talented, but sometimes he don't always bring it, you know, I mean, he can be a little bit, but, you know, he's, <laughs> I think that he doesn't realize that, I mean, he, he's definitely, he hangs out with a lot of there's like a whole group. There's like twenty of them that go and they party and all that stuff. They do too. the the dirty Richie shoots. I don't know. There's you know, <laughs> but he, but he, but I think that um, it's funny. When I first started working with him, he was like, "F that, yeah, yeah I'm not doing that. Yeah. F that, we're not doing." 
they didn't pay us for that. Yeah. I mean, and he was always like that, but he's really changed a lot over the past and where he's almost got the fire where he realizes, I mean, I really like working with Rich. Yeah. He, he's got that. Like, he's, he's not a, like, he's not a stupid guy. He's very smart. He's, he's got a college degree in filmmaking and all that stuff too. He went to Rutgers. Uh, but he, but you know, he, he definitely, um, has gotten to that point where he used to be a little bit more like, you know, phoning it in and that kind of stuff and show up a little bit later. But he's he's gotten so much better now. He's really, uh, you know, really you can count really on him, but you gotta but you gotta let him know that you're counting on him. Like you can't just say, you <laughs> yeah, can't yeah, just yeah, give yeah. him a free wheel and say he's yeah very, do it however you want. Rich. He's very relaxed. Yeah, he's a pretty relaxed cat. He's and funny. He's a, he's a great man. And I think that, I mean, and La Larry's more on the intense side of, and Larry, you know, which I have to thank because I was, I used to do this. Yeah, when he's in like glasses Larry mode, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he, we, him and I did this, these one shoots up in this place called Roseland, New Jersey. And, um, they were these meetings and they were really, they were called town halls mm -hmm. and they were just, you know, have you know, like four people up there talking, you know, and, um, I gotta change the battery on this thing too. What? You if you push the, if you push the thing up, what? uh, I think it's this thing. If you push it up, oh, right, yeah. it, it will lock it. Oh, so I can't like, and now, you, now somebody, something can't hit it because oh. I was actually at a thing and loud music turned it off. No shit. Yeah. Like vibrated the battery. It vibrated it and then it, it made it feel like it was got touched and turned no off. No way. So that lock oh, will like, hold it on. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, good enough. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, what were you talking about with, um, yeah. Oh, Larry. Um, oh, I was talking about with Larry. This was, you know, you learn something from everybody and I went in all cocky and all this stuff too. Yeah. And, uh, we were, I was doing, um, I would have the, uh, I was doing the audio, right? And all I was doing was the guy was, had the audio for the room and then he was sending me a feed and I was just running the, I was just doing the levels, just the volume level of the audio. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had this stuff, right? So basically all I'm doing, it's like a two hour meeting and, and it's very boring and I'm just making sure that it's, it keeps very constant, yeah. you know, and, um, I forget. It's like he, the guy screwed up or did something, you know, and he's, and that guy that was doing the room audio and Larry goes, well, you know, that's on you, man. You have to make sure that these, you know, and I was like, ah, well, this is not my fault, you know, and it's like, and we always have a thing mm -hmm. might not be your fault, but it is your problem, mm -hmm. you know? And so I would get to that point. And I would check and make sure, double check everything he was doing and making sure all that stuff so that everything came out. And I would start recording before, you know, he had it. And the thing is, is that sometimes because he was a rock and roll kind of uh, audio guy, that you know sometimes check 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 yeah, yeah well they don't say check 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 they come in and say good morning hey yeah, how you yeah. doing and, uh, they want to hear that good morning they mm -hmm. can't you know they if you lose that so 
we've uh, we kind of that's funny yeah yeah did that and I would record it now I it came through my mixer and then I would have outs that I would put to the two cameras that were there because um, they had one wide camera and one tight camera and um, they would uh, I remember one time I think I would record that audio because you have a little SD card and it, and it wasn't a lot you know because uh, it was only a stereo uh, mix of what was coming out and the thing was maybe an hour or two, so that one hour was, you know, maybe 700 megs or something. Like, it wasn't huge, right? And I always had, like, a 15, 16 gig card, mm -hmm. SD card in there. And I would hold on to it, you know. And I remember a couple, like, once or twice, and this was doing years, where they would say, dude, any way you recorded that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there any way we can get that? Yep. Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, oh my God, you just saved my life. Mm -hmm. You know, these people would be like, the audio on this thing got screwed up or something. Dude, you know, this thing I, has saved my life so much. <laughs> I know. But when you're a guy that you've been road tested and this kind of crap happens to you, you end up doing it every time, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like... Yeah. I, uh, redundant. I got redundant. Right. Everything <laughs> redundant here. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like the, if you got a doctor that, uh, you know, uh, low back pain means you've got something or whatever, whatever, he's, you know, you come in for a headache, he'll say, do you have low back pain with that too? I mean, if it's like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know what I mean? Once, if they ever get bitten, they, they don't, you know, once bitten, twice shy, it's like they don't want to make that same mistake. So when you see me doing stuff a certain way, you know, I always will try to make sure that I'm not that guy that got caught looking when, uh, yeah. you know, strike three came by, you know, so. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. So how did you get into doing all the video stuff? So I don't even really know that story. So uh, you were running nightclubs yeah. at one point. Well, I went to college yeah, so for... Yeah, you went to NYU. For, well, I went to, I, I was taking, I, I went to, first I went to like uh, um, UTEP, University of Texas El Paso and then I uh, I was taking courses in I went into the service I was in the army got drafted and uh, 1972 and I was in and I volunteered like an extra time just that I could get some education in there yeah you know? and um, then when I got out I had uh, I, I was in medical when I was in the service and when I got out, um, you had a GI Bill and you could take classes and everything. So I was kind of like, still finding my way. And I was kind of working part-time in x-ray because I learned that when I was in the service. And it was, mm. it was okay. I mean, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was, it was okay. It was yeah. better than McDonald's type money, but it wasn't quite up to, it was like teacher's money. You yeah. know, it was like, you could maybe barely live on it. And... Um, then I was taking class courses and I was um, in, taking communications. First I started in medical, I mean I bio degree and all that, but then I was like, I changed the communications and that's when I started with the film. And it's funny, like some of the people that I worked with actually started their own, uh, one person had his own film uh, editing, had the first digital editing uh, 
thing in the United States. He had the first joyriding machine. Huh. It was like you know whatever the really? hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was was a ton of money. So you either had to be extremely extremely serious on that. Rich was into stuff when he went to school, and um, I mean he had the cameras, uh, the Betacam cameras, and all these different things that. Uh, you know, these were $50,000 cameras he had, you know, and, and, and above that. And editing suites were, were, you know, 30, 40, 50,000, you know, yeah. 100,000. And um, it, uh, yeah, I was in that for a while and I was like, that was great. I was like, I like photography, I like video. And then I just started... Um, I was managing bands at the time too, kind of, and then I started working um, at some clubs and I was working at this Big Man's West, which Clarence Clemens owned in Red Bank and was managing that for a while. And um, I got involved in, um, because I had a lot of different groups. It was original music. The place was like an original music kind of place. So I had... Uh, a lot of uh, bands that were coming through there and you know sometimes like a band is really great I'm sure you have bands that are local bands that you're like oh my god oh, how yeah. do they not make it yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know really sometimes it's just a choice of the time that yeah. they just chose someone else instead of them so um, I was thinking back then that uh, this was in 80 uh, like 3 84 uh, that um what happens to this music? Like these guys make this music and if they don't make it, it just like music goes off and it hits a shelf and nobody ever hears it again because it's yeah. not like they're gonna keep playing original music for if they don't make it, you know, they're gonna go and start, you know, becoming surgeons or painting houses or whatever, you know, to get a career and say, hey, I used to be in a band kind of a thing. Yeah. So I thought maybe this music because, uh, they started making uh, films, started getting, and I got involved. I always was kind of involved with films too. And I was thinking that uh, it would be interesting if we could put together soundtrack, a company that, that would take all the best music that was kind of focused for soundtrack music and, and solicit it to different small companies and big companies. So, that's what I did. So that's got me back into the music part, but also um, as I start finishing up, you know, at NYU and all that too, um, I was getting back, I was already kind of half, two thirds of the way in there anyway, and I just kind of finished, uh, you know, the whole thing because um, suddenly filmmaking became much more affordable then, mm. you know. What year I mean, was that? Well, that was in like probably 84, 85, okay. you know, then, okay. then uh, people were switching uh, where, um, I mean, I shot stuff on film and 16 and all that stuff too, but uh, it got to that point where it was the, uh, the, the digital stuff was more starting to be accepted and the editing stuff started to be more affordable and all of this stuff became more and more affordable so i just started to you know 
we got we got um, these uh, Panasonic DC 100 cameras, which used to take tapes, but they were digital, and uh, they shot. They looked really great. Shot really well, and people were doing indie films with them too. And people stopped having that concept of everything had to be, you know, this exact film thing. And you didn't need to have, um, you know, Elmer Bernstein writing music for your uh, movie <laughs> and stuff like that. Where, you know, or, it, and it became more, a little more pop oriented, mm. you know, the music that was getting into the movies. And so we were kind of pushing that. And we put in stuff into smaller movies and stuff like that but as I was you know kind of I always like and enjoyed like the filmmaking process too and so I just got more involved into it mm. then and I actually was doing more uh, audio recording for location sounds because nobody was doing it you know yeah. and you know like I had more work than you know I really needed it. and the rates went from like three, four hundred dollars a day to five hundred, six hundred a day. And uh, you know, if you can you know, and the days doing corporate work, which any job I do, I do my best and I try to um, you know, make it so that it's a uh um always keeps it interesting too and that's that that helps, you know with um, um, doing corporate stuff. I mean, you know, you think of it like, man, how boring is that? But it wasn't that it was boring because you always like are involved in the minutia of shooting, you know, like you're always making sure the shot is yeah. is perfect. And a lot of those guys had, were, had worked for NBC and- Shut this window. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> And a lot of these guys that work for NBC and they did get, you know, Emmys and stuff like that. And they were they had they had their stuff together and we were, you know and these were these are really professional studios that they had up there too. And and I worked for the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation um, for about six months or eight months and we did a big video where it was like a DVD that went to every firehouse in the US and uh, we they had I mean I would travel all over the US with these guys shooting and editing in the hotel room on the laptops and all that stuff too so it was it was kind of you know it was good like grunt work where it was easier to just kind of do what you're told mm -hmm. and it wasn't real innovative but you made sure everything you did was great. Yeah. So they loved you for that. And they were a good group of guys, you know. I mm. mean, I met Larry back then. And, um, you know, uh, he he was in and out of it. He, he was in it, then he got out of it and went into construction after 9-11, you know, because they kind of dried up with the, doing the videos. So it was, uh, it was, it was, 
like a difficult thing to maintain. So I just do it. I mean, I was, you know, being married, my wife always had health insurance and stuff. So that allowed me to mm. kind of be able to take these, yeah, these freelance jobs <clears throat> yeah. because you made a lot more money on the freelance stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and the jobs, when I finally like went into the corporate world, probably like about 15 years ago or so, um, or 20, yeah, about that it was after 2001. Um, but, um, you would go in, you'd work for like, you know, sometimes you would have a setup day and you'd set everything up and run through everything. That's a full day of pay. Yep. Then you go back the next day and you uh, do the shoot. It would start probably eight o'clock in the morning and you'd be done by 10. Yeah. And you'd be driving home at 10.30, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was two days pay, you know? Yep. You start one day at, at noon and you, you end the next day at, uh, you know, it was probably uh, uh, between the two days, probably six hours of work, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And you got two full days pay and it was pretty cool. And they were really fun people to work with too. They were nice. And I, I was doing music videos and doing films and all that stuff. Uh, before I did the corporate work, that was uh, in uh, mid to late 80s, I guess I was started to work on the more of the indie film kind of a thing. But Have you done stuff that, we, any, that I would know? No, not really. I mean, we did a lot of music videos, you know. Yeah, yeah. We did work for like Nora Jones, who was who was big back then, and uh, Boss Gags, and there's a bunch of other people that we had done the uh, the stuff for, which made it. Uh, I mean, those were fun. I mean, they paid okay. You know, we had this one guy, George Paris. We shot a thing for him in Lincoln Center, mm. and that was huge I and mean, we were like this uh, place that hired us were pretty much like the billionaires boys club so they had a lot of whatever to pass around the yeah. money and everything and you know we've been to they flew us to Chicago and a bunch of and they uh, wasn't right for me I went and did other work than that but some of the other guys hung in there Larry hung in there for them for a long much longer time than me but it's very that kind of work was you know, when you're working with just a small team of people, you can get on each other's nerves a little bit too, mm -hmm. you know, and because um, it's not different people all the time when you're working yeah, and you, you just come in and you leave. Where you come in, you start at 7 in the morning and you work until 11 o'clock at night yeah. and then you start again the next morning at 7 and it just was... Not for me, and I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of it. So, and they weren't a big fan of me. So I think it really worked out, <laughs> yeah. you know. Where you know, sometimes you walk around, and you think, hey, you're the greatest guy ever, and you come into a different um, scenario of uh, of workers, and it's not a good fit, you know. Yeah, I've had that before. Oh yeah, and when sure. I, like I, well, I was doing the comedy cellar up in New York. Yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, they brought me, I got hired for that uh, from a friend of mine because I had the switcher and I had switched a lot of shows doing the corporate work. I, you know, you get used to being a technical director and that's just a guy switching the cameras and everything. And um, you get used to it and it's not bad once you get used to it, you know, I mean, it's fun. Um, and it's a little intense because it's live. 
And so the guy, he wanted to do it, but he, like when we went and set up, he was like, can you just be the technical director on yeah, this yeah. one? And um, just, I want to like, you know, make sure everything works out great the first time mm. and then I'll like get into it. Yeah. Well, the guy that was the producer of the show, what we got done, and that's why I was saying that, you know, when I get up there and I work, you know, I do my stuff, I don't really mm -hmm. BS around, I had to cable the places, I had to run mm -hmm. it up, I, we're doing everything, and it was, and it was like a, I was sitting in like a booth, and it was really not almost enough room, and you're kind of jammed in there, and the other guy was, you know, I had, there were my comms that we were using, and, and he was, uh, um, saying that, uh, you know, he's, him and I are doing a show together, and then he decides that uh, after the show was done, he loved it, <clears throat> but he didn't want, he only wanted me to come back. He didn't want the other guys to come back, because mm -hmm. I guess it was, um, I'm kind of, they set their camera up, and then they just kind of relaxed, you know, did nothing, yeah. where I actually had to cable all the cameras, run the cables through that place. It's a club. Comedy Cellar in New York, and it's like running it through the ceiling. Now, there's like a million things up in that ceiling too, you know, it's a little spooky. But, um, and then I told him that uh, if I were coming back, mm -hmm. I had to have the guy that got me the job come back. And they were going, well, we already got people to, to do that stuff. It's just gonna be you, because I just need somebody that can be the technical director. I don't need the camera guys, I don't need these guys. I said, well, this guy got me the job, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I can't, I'm loyal, you know, That's and I don't, I would rather not work than I would just stab my friend in the back that got me the job. So yeah. he said, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, I'll get back to you. I said, all right, well, thanks. It's been nice knowing you. If you don't yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, uh, he calls me back and he goes, all right, well, we can hire him. There well, you go. He can do one of the cameras. Okay. And still, this guy did nothing but complain. From when we left to go to New York and when we came back about, oh, this is too long. Because what it was, they did a show early because it was broadcast around the world in 65 countries, but it was in the Middle East and all that stuff. So we had to do one at 3 o'clock. Then we had to do one at like 5 or 6 o'clock. Then we had to do another one at 9 o'clock. So then we, and it ended up being like three shows a day. And... Um, he just was like, this is not enough money. And I'm thinking, it's the middle of the pandemic. It was literally, uh, you know, 2021, January, um, when uh, nobody was working, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, we were working. I mean, I had, you know, and I got all my guys back in there too. He had his guys, but his guys were all professional guys that worked on movies. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had a list on IMDb like a mile long. Yeah. They were good. They yeah. were very professional, really good. I could see why he wanted them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like my guys were horrible. It's just that he wanted his guys. Yeah. And um, that's how, it's all cronyism in, in, in Hollywood and that. And, and it, after 17 shows, I kind of like hit that point of, you know, I was so burned out. Yeah. Like live cutting shows, and you got the guys like over your show. You know, it was hard work. And I had a, like a bit of a cough I developed. 
from wearing a mask probably all the time because we had to wear the mask. We were in the room when they were doing it. And I was like, oh, I got this cough and I can't get rid of this cough and I don't want to be shooting this show when I have this cough because, yeah, yeah. you know, comedians would be like, who keeps coughing? Yeah, I know. Now? You're like, it's the fucking guy in yeah, charge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, excuse me. We ended up, uh, so I, I kind of said, he goes, well, I said, well, let this guy that I know mm -hmm. that wanted to, to be the technical director, let him be the guy. And he was like, oh, oh, all right. And he let him do the thing. And then he became the technical director. Mm -hmm. And then he hired Rich and Larry because this guy was doing camera. And he needed a camera guy. So then he hired Larry. Then Larry, and Larry got Rich in there. You know, it's like we got the whole team back in on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy kept saying, and he kept telling me, called me all the time saying, you know, dude, I just want to let you know that your job is always open up here. That you know, just come back and work, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I just, I, we had such a great time working together, you know, it's like, just work, I was like, yeah, okay, you know, and if I didn't want to go up there, it was in New York City, it's, yeah, it's hard, yeah, and it's stressful, and I don't like that kind of stress, you know, mm -hmm. so, but which is what I keep telling everybody I was retiring and everybody keeps busting my hump. Like, yeah. like dude, you were retiring like, because I literally was retiring. I turned 66. Or just been retiring yeah. since the day I met him. Yeah. Well, I turned 60, <laughs> 66 in uh, November. That's John. There it is. What's up, John? We're doing an interview right now. Oh, okay. Do you mind if we just finish this up in five What's minutes? What's it? Actually, it doesn't matter. No, I can wrap. I can hang out for five. Okay. Can you give me five minutes, actually? Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Not to... I was trying to time it right, and I didn't. Ah. Yeah. I blew it by, like, 20 minutes. But, um... That's John. He's in my networking group. Ah, cool. He does... Oh. <laughs> hey. Also rents me a room. Great guy. Cool. Um... All but right. but I was going to retire in 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 two thousand nineteen I turned sixty six and I was gonna retire and I had like a nice four one K all the stuff ready to go. Yeah. Gonna travel, do all that crazy stuff. My wife was gonna work for one more year, two more years, and I was just gonna just do make films, do do what I wanna do, you know, that's yeah. all gonna be passion pieces you know yeah uh and the pandemic hit and like yeah. what the hell do you do you yeah. know i mean it yeah. was and then my wife stopped working too mm -hmm. she stopped working she was yeah. supposed to work two more years but it didn't matter because you know why she worked very hard mm -hmm. and you know she can might as well enjoy life you know you get to that point where you get older and you, you try to but all of a sudden it's like all these it's as soon as I said I was retiring, everybody kind of work got that point they don't want where to miss they were. The George yeah. boat. All right, so yeah. what's the what's the what's going to be the passion project that you look forward to for the next kind of year or so? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm go, right now right it. now I'm doing all the video for the Grammy Museum. Okay. And it's kind of fun. We it we've fun. worked on it. It's it's okay. That that free old stuff is okay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we did Gary Talon yeah, from Springsteen's yeah, yeah. band. It was fun. You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is cool, interesting yeah. stuff. And the pay is okay, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's not going to retire on it. But and then we just did the uh, the the first of uh, the American Music Honors. Which Sweet. Do you think you're in there with the mama stuff for now with the video now? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I think so. I mean, who, who knows? One. They told me I was locked in for 
that they, that they want me for the rest oh. of it. And then they just actually call me on the way here and just, to, you know, yeah. make sure that you're, you know, I just finished up this stuff for PBS. It'll be on in the end of June. See, they want you and, with or without the eye. Yeah. So, and it says, you know, uh, and, and I detached my retina yeah. nine days before the show, which really screwed me up. But the problem I had too was that the, the lid of my eye just kind of did not like what was happening. So it looked like, it looked horrible. Yeah. Like, like horror story horrible. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't really do it. And I had to end up wearing a patch for this show. And, and then I had this problem, like a post-surgical problem with my corner. You know, it's like one of those things that, you know, I like to stay busy. I like to work. I like to work on music videos. I like to have fun. Um, I do. I enjoy the heck out of doing video. I yeah. really do. I just, you know, maybe not setting the cameras up and all that stuff too. But that, I, I do actually like that part of it too. I like it too and, um, but I just want to make sure that everything I do is nice. And all these uh, cameras that we have are very sensitive to making sure that they're all shooting the same way. Yeah. You know, there's a, you know, you, there's a lot of ways you could do it. Yeah. But um, I'm thing. just trying to do it. So you're a happy guy, it seems like. I love, I enjoy life. I really have a good time. Um, I attest to that. George yeah. is rad, and he has a rad wife, Cindy, and it seems like they have a lot of fun together, and it seems like they live a really good life. And what can you tell a person my age that can get you to live in happy at 69 with one eye? Happy at 69 with one eye, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I mean, you know, uh, I'm... I'm one of my favorite sayings is that, hey, listen, if you could live your life backwards, you could make all the right choices because you would know what caused it and you go back and you would do it. I would say that um, life goes by very quickly. I mean, you're, you just, and, and the older you get, the faster it goes by. It might be just a mathematic problem that, you know, rather than a year being yes. at 10% of your life, now a year is like 1% I think it's just 1 exponential life, yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it is that point. But um, I think that, you know, stuff is a long run. I, I'm, I'm very careful with, with m trying to put money away. I'm trying to put something that's a legacy thing for me too. Yeah. Be it money, be it buying things that are, you save and hold on to them or yeah. whatever. And then you can release them later on in life or whatever. But I think that you do what you enjoy doing. Yeah. If you can find what you really like to do, what they say is you never work a day in your life. You know, you mm -hmm. just, you know, the money is really second, second hand to, you know, to the work. Like you would do it for nothing and you just go in there and you enjoy it and it's and you do stress to make you know make it the best you can do it and i think if you keep doing that and i try to do that in everything i do now i never did that before when i was young you know you do something it's yeah, like yeah that's good enough that, so. i don't care you know but now i try to make sure that even if i'm i don't care what i'm doing if i'm making my bed in the morning i i make it like i would be in a hotel the way they would make it. I mean, if I do everything I do, I want to do it to the best of my ability. I don't know what that is now, and I don't know if it's because I've become crazy, you know, yeah. OCD guy, or if it's just that I just love to have everything 
You like to be dialed in, and it feels good when you are. It does. It does. It makes me feel good, and I like stuff to be the best it can possibly be to work the way it should work. You know, so. Yeah, I know. I yeah, that's a good way to end it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Good luck on this thing. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. You know, it's gonna be good. Ah, Hell yeah. No, I'm stoked on this. This this is uh, exactly what I wanted. Oh, good. This is the goal Uh for all of this. Is oh, my keyhole is on. Let me turn it off. Yeah, you gotta unlock it, right? Oh.